talking on a church that's awake and revived, and thank God that we are awake. You know what? We need to be a church that's awake. We don't need to be a church that is asleep. And you know, one of the things that happens when you become awake is you start seeing souls. And that's what we have been looking at for this last um, few weeks that I've been here. We've looked at reaching the lost. And thank God it was important for us to have a heart for the lost. You know, when you wake up, you start seeing souls. Amen. Amen. That's why I was so encouraged, you know, with the outreach that you had for the, for the ladies um, the other night. You know what? It's, it's, it's reaching out to people. It's inviting people in. It's, it's getting to know people. It opens up the door. It makes connections with people. Why? Because this is what we're all about. It's all about reaching people. That's what the move of God is. It's about reaching people. We need to have a love for people. And I know people can be difficult. Many, many have met a few difficult people. Many know people can be difficult. They can be. And that is real. People can be difficult. But let me tell you, people also are individuals that have an eternal spirit in them. And we want to see people saved. And you know what? When you wake up, it's amazing that you, you, you start seeing people as people in need of a savior. And you, you, you put up with more. And you can deal with more. Now, that doesn't mean to say sometimes we don't get it wrong or we don't have, you know what I mean? Don't, especially when you're doing life with people, working with people. Sometimes people get under your skin and different things. But you know what? There's a wonderful word and it's sorry. Where you can come and say, I'm sorry about that. And you know what? It, it just keeps that relationship good because do you know what it is? People need Jesus. Now, did you ever see The Matrix? Any of you ever see the film The Matrix? But you know what? In the matrix, you have like a, the, there's a, a, a dream kind of world and then there is the real world. And people think the world that they're living in is reality. But then, you know what, there's people who wake up and they realize that there's a whole new arena. Do you know what, that's what it's like whenever, whenever we got saved. Yeah. You know what, we started seeing things different. Yeah. You know, in the film you have a character, he's called Morpheus. And then you have like, he's like a Messiah kind of a figure called Neil. And he's starting to wake up that there's a reality out there beyond what he is currently experiencing. And in the film, he's offered two pills. He's offered a blue pill. And the blue pill will cause him to live in denial of everything that really is going on. And he can just go about his everyday life and just live just the normal everyday life of everyday people. Or else he can take a red pill. And this red pill is going to disconnect him from the whole matrix. And he's going to be free. And he's going to see life for what it is. And he's going to realize there's a bunch of people that are prisoners to a system. And they need to be freed. It's really, you know, it's, it's like yeah. one of those kind of science fiction kind of, of films. But it has a really, a really true story to it. And meaning to it. When you look at the gospel, because, you know, people are trapped in a system. People are trapped in their sin. People are lost. And it can look like everybody is just living. But I'm telling you, there is a higher reality. There's a, there's a heaven to gain. Amen. And I know it's not popular in our generation many times among Christians. But I'm telling you, there is a hell to shun. And when people die, they're only going to one or two places. And that's a wake-up call. And some people would rather live in denial 
But the reality of it is, heaven is real, and so is hell. Amen? Now, as believers, our destiny really is Jesus. Amen? And we're going to be on a a new heaven and a new earth, but the good news is God's going to move heaven down, and heaven and earth will be the the new heaven and earth, and we'll dwell with God, and we'll tabernacle with God, the Bible says, at the end of the book of Revelations, forever. Amen? Forever and forever. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people... If they don't receive Jesus, they're going to go to a place called the lake of fire. And they will be there forever and ever. But God has never intended for anyone to go to the lake of fire. That wasn't his intention. Hell was created, the Bible says, for the devil and for his angels. But, you know, if people don't get saved, then God's not their father. And then they go into a lost eternity. That's a wake-up call. And you know what? As believers, we need to be awake to that reality. And to be thinking like that. Because it affects how we deal with people. So when you wake up, you start seeing souls. And the Bible lets us know, just some of the things we've looked at, the Bible lets us know that he who wins souls is wise. It's wise to win souls. The Bible tells us when we deal with the lost, it tells us to use wisdom. We looked at that as well. Now we are to to, um, season with salt. But we are to always give grace. Because I'm telling you, people are lost. You know, I love the story of Jesus, Noah, the woman caught in the very act of adultery. And Jesus could have condemned that woman. He caught one word and that woman was, they were already with their stones ready to go. One word from Jesus would have condemned that woman. But um, Jesus turned around and said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone, and no one could cast. And I love in that story because it says they left from the eldest to the youngest. Sometimes people think the more you go on, the more you get your life together. Let me tell you, a lot of people, the more they go on, the more deeper they get into that life of sin. And their conscience pricked them. You see, just because you dress up something doesn't mean to say that it's, it's good on the inside. Those religious leaders were the first ones to go. Because they knew, oh, I'll drop my stamp away. You know what I mean? Next, and then it was the youngest ones that left, because sometimes the youngest ones, they're the most radical at times, because they're, they're ready to go. But the older you get, sometimes you realize, you know, people that don't know Jesus, and even people who do know Jesus, I'm telling you, the more you go on for a believer, the more you realize every day you need Jesus. Never lose that reality of needing Jesus. Amen. But they left. I'm telling you, people need the grace of God because it's the grace of God that saves us. And even though people are in lifestyles of sin, the answer is they need hope. They need the gospel. And the gospel is the good news to sinners. Now, Jesus took your punishment so that you can be set free, so that you can be set free from, so to speak, the matrix of sin. Where people are a slave and don't even know they are. We looked at how whenever we go to the world that we need to be as Jesus. Jesus said we need to be sanctified by the word. So Jesus said don't take them out of the world but keep them in the world. So that then they can be effective and we are to be effective everywhere we go. But what separates us and keeps us, um, keeps us being the influence is the word of God. 
And every one of us need to be sanctified by the Word of God. That's why I was saying, if you're going to reach the lost, go to church first. Because it's going to church that equips you so that when you go to the lost, they don't affect you, you affect them. So we're always to stay in the influence. Why? Because we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. So we want to be the influence everywhere we go. And then I was looking, and I want to continue on here today. We were looking over in the book of Acts. We looked at that um, story when Paul went to Corinth. And remember, there's a whole rat broke out in the area. And you know what? And Paul's life was basically, he felt threatened. He felt in, in danger. But then Paul had a vision. And in the vision, he was told to stay where he was. Why? Because there was many souls there that were going to get saved and come into the kingdom of God. Jesus letting them know, I have many souls. I have many people in this city. And I'm telling you, there's many people in this city that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why even with all of the pressure at times and sometimes discouragement, and you know, you can go through a lot as a believer, but you know why you stay put and you keep reaching people is because people still need Jesus. And your life is, a, a, is a, a, an extension of that. Your life is a doorway into, into the community. You have people that you meet every week that some of us don't meet in a week. But you have an opportunity to reach people and reach people for Jesus. Be the light and be the salt everywhere that you go. Amen. So Paul stayed there and people got saved. But then also the Bible says that Paul taught there for a year and six months. So we've seen this what's needed for us as believers because this is what church is all about. The Great Commission is about reaching the lost and then training people. That's what it's all about. You want to know what church is about? Church is about seeing people saved and church is about teaching people who get saved. That's what it's about. It's about reaching and it's about teaching. If we kept it about that, it would be so simple. People need Jesus and believers need to be taught. Amen. Amen. That's why we come to church. That's why most, most, most times in church circles, it's Christians who go to church. Do you know why? Because we're the body of Christ and we come together. And you know what, you know what it's for? It's for us to be equipped so that we can do the work of the ministry. Where does unsaved people go? They're not, many unsaved people, they're just getting on with their life. They're not thinking about church on a Sunday morning. But praise God, throughout the week, we're out there where they are. And so you can see that it's about reaching the lost and also teaching. Now, in 1 Corinthians, you see this example. And that's what I was looking at. I want to just show a couple of things here again. Let me just look in chapter 2 again for a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And you will see this in, in 1 Corinthians. You will see it's about teaching. But you will also see it's about reaching the lost. And let me tell you, nearly every book in the New Testament has that theme. About teaching and reaching the lost. You know, you, you think of the shakers in the New Testament. Paul, okay? You think of Peter. Go and read First and Second Peter. What is it about? It magnifies the Word of God, but it also teaches about reaching people. When you look at the epistles of Paul, what do you see? You see teaching 
and you see reaching people. And you see when you see it, you can't unsee it. No, I, I, it's just the way I've been thinking. I'm in that vein. You know when you get in a vein whenever you're studying? And I'm just reading. But because I'm thinking it, I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm sitting reading it going, how on earth am I going to share all of this? And I thought, I have a good idea. Go and read it yourself. <laughs> but I'm reading through it, sitting reading through First and Second Timothy, Titus. You know, like they're a pastoral epistles. And you see where Paul is ministering to, to Timothy, ministering to Titus, and he's putting the same heart into them. Telling Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. But also telling him, preach the word in season and out of season. There's an there's, there's elevation of the word, and there's an elevation of reaching the lost. And you know what? If we just concentrate on those two things, and don't be people, you know what, are, are looking for to affect the world, you know, just in a social way. That's the way many times people approach things. And I'm not saying that we don't do those things. But I'm saying if we just concentrate on what we do, which is teaching, and then teaching people to be open and aware of unsaved people, and then start getting a heart for the unsaved, let me tell you, we'll start affecting people everywhere we go. And we'll be in church loving the Word, because it's the word that equips us so that we're sanctified by the word. So we understand I'm in the world, but praise God, I'm not off the world. I'm going to make my life count. I'm going out there. I'm going to make a difference every week. Praise God. That's what it is about. Now, let me just look here for a second again. First Corinthians chapter 2. And look what it said here in verse 1. It says, and, and I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of the Lord. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When Paul came to reach the lost, he had a very simple message. What was it? He, he taught Jesus. He taught the simplicity of the gospel. He didn't make it complicated. He proclaimed it. He declared the gospel. Amen? Now, look down in verse 6. Then it says, How be it? Well, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature believers, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the, the princes of this world that came to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God, what? In a mystery. So Paul said, when it came to teaching or coming to the lost, I proclaimed the gospel. When it came to the believers who were getting saved, I started to teach them the mystery. Things that only the Holy Ghost can show you if you read through this chapter. Things that the Holy Spirit's going to show to you spirit to spirit. He's got, the Holy Spirit is, is going to take this word as, you know, as Paul was teaching, just like any of us when we teach, the Holy Spirit takes the word, the one who knows God. He's going to take this word and start to reveal it onto you and give you revelation. So you can see believers need the word. Amen. The unsaved need the gospel. They need the gospel message. Now, and you can see there's a, there's a difference in how Paul dealt with the unsaved and how he dealt with the saved. Even concerning sin. Now, look over here in um, chapter 5. Let's look here for a second. 
It says here, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And fornication is sexual sin. Marriage is where God, is that, is that union what God made for intimacy? Outside of it, it is fornication or adultery. It says here in verse um, 5 again, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as it is not so much as named among the Gentiles. In other words, you're doing things here that even the world aren't doing. That one should have his father's wife. So this is someone having an intimate relationship with his stepmother. And it says here, And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. So it's saying when that is happening, what you do is you remove it. But you do it in love. Then it says in verse 4, it says, In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are gathered together and my spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So uh, you, you do those acts, and I'm trying to tone it down a bit this morning, but you do those acts through um, the flesh, okay? But here's the thing. When it came to that kind of activity... Paul said to remove it. Now, let me say this here. In this church, this was not a perfect church. Go and read this this book. And church doesn't have perfect people in it. Okay? There's no one perfect. Many are a work in progress. I like to look at it sometimes like you've scaffolding around you. And sometimes you think you got it together and you took that bit of scaffolding down and then you realize that whether it goes back up again, God's working on me again. Because we are a work in progress. None of us are perfect. Our spirit is perfect because it is new. It's been born again. It's sanctified. Okay? But the outward is a work in progress. Now, church is a place for imperfect people. Church is a place where people come who have weaknesses, who have many times addictions. And sometimes people want someone to be saved and squeaky clean overnight. And that doesn't work. If that was the case, we wouldn't have to renew our mind. But the fact is, we do have to renew our mind. And the fact is, we do have to then start allowing the Word to start sanctifying our lives. Now, you are sanctified as... When you're a believer, you are sanctified in your spirit before God. Your spirit is holy before God. But you know what? The Word sanctifies us in life so that it starts to wash us clean in areas, and that takes time. I've seen people come into church. I know from experiences from my own life, and you can look at your life, but I've seen it in people's lives. I've seen people come into church especially people that lived in the fast lane. And then they got saved. And you know what? And many of them still have problems. There's sometimes you'll see people and you know what? They got saved and they've had addictions. Things like, say, just things like smoking. And uh, you know what? And they're, and they're smoking. And you'll see them after service. They'll go out and they'll be standing down there smoking. And then you have someone with a big judgmental head on them condemning them. Because they want them to be living perfect and they're only saved. And many times they don't see the things in their own lives. 
Sometimes people can be condemning someone, you know, for, um, you know, smoking, but they don't see that they drink two gallons of co Coke every day. Yeah. You know, and they're, and they're tumbling. But they're condemning someone. You know, that's just the way people are many times. But I've seen people who have addictions, and you know what? I, when I could talk to them, I just tell them, put the word in you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, I've, I've seen people say to me, oh, I'm still smoking. I'm doing my best to give them up. You know, I'm trying to give them up, and I'll say, you know what? Don't you be condemned. You know what you do? You make sure you come to church every week and get the word in you. Do you know why? Because you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah. Amen. The truth is what's going to set you free. I'm not going to set you free. And if you are finding it hard and you're doing your best and you're not getting free, let me tell you, God's going to get you free. You just get in the Word and the Word will set you free. Church is not a place for perfect people. Church is a place for people to come and who need Jesus and desire change. There's a good friend of mine. I've given his testimony many times. Melvin. And Melvin got saved as a young lad. But you know what, he, he backslid, or you know, whatever you want to call it. And you know what, he, he, he went out and he started drinking and started, you know, just running about and just doing all of the things that, that young lads do. And then he came to church one night, and um, he, the reason he came to church is because he couldn't afford to go out. It was New Year's Eve. And he had spent all his money, <laughs> and he couldn't afford to go out, so he went to church. And Pastor San actually was the one talking to him after service and said to him, you know what, do you know what Melvin, he is saved? And Melvin says, look, let me stop you here now. Melvin is so straight. He's a great guy. So he is just full of faith, full of the word. Squeeze Melvin and the word will come out. Yeah. Just squeeze him. Yeah. Just touch him and the scripture will come out. Because yeah. he's full of it. But he wasn't always full of it. Yeah. And Pastor Hassan said to me, he saved. And he said, let me stop you here now. He says, I got saved when I was this age. And then I rededicated my life. Here, 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 here. And he went through all the times he rededicated his life to the Lord. And he says, I've tried it. I just can't seem to stop doing the things. And Pastor Hassan said to him, when you do something, he says, I'm going to give you a challenge. You come to church for the next six months. Come to church for the next six months. He went, ended up going to Bible, Bible school on a Monday night. He went on the Wednesday night service. He went on Sunday morning and he went on Sunday night. And pastor said to him, you just keep coming. I don't care if you smoke. If you smoke, come to church. If you went out and, you know, took too many drinks or whatever, come to church. Just keep coming to church. Okay? Keep coming to church. And he kept coming to church. And the next thing, the cigarettes went. All of the things that he was doing in his life that, that had a hold on him, they all left. Next thing, he's believing God for a wife. Next thing, he's believing God for a business. And Melvin, that was whatever years ago that was. That's over 30 years ago. And I'll tell you, Melvin is one of the most sold out people I've ever met in my life for the things of God. And he'll tell you, I didn't set myself free. The Word set me free. Church is not for perfect people. Church is for people who need the Word. If you could set yourself free, you wouldn't need God. Exactly. <laughs> My mom was sharing the other night how that, you know what, she had, a, she had an addiction to a cigarette. She was smoking something like 30 cigarettes a day or something like that. This was years ago. Whenever I had been a child. And she crawled the floors and cried out to God and asked God to deliver her 
from cigarettes because she couldn't set herself free. And I'm telling you, it was God who set her free. It was God who got her off those things. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who smoke and, and they want to be free from things like that. They don't need condemnation. Exactly. Many of them are trying their best to get off cigarettes. <laughs> and that's just one thing. And you know what? As they often say, smoking doesn't send anybody to hell. It just makes you smell like you've been there. <laughs> but you know what? Smoking doesn't send anybody to hell. Some people pick on people with certain things. I'm just using that as an example this morning. But I'm saying people come to church with problems. Okay? Now, here's the difference with this guy here. This guy was flaunting what he was doing. This guy was doing things and flaunting it in everybody's face. And instead of this guy being in the lane of change, understand? This guy wasn't in the process of change. This guy was in the process of influencing everybody and it started to influence the church and it took the whole bar down in the church to where people started laughing at it and boasting. And you know what it was like? You know what it was like? It was like the, you know, the church across the town saying, you know what? We have people in our church and they're doing such and such. And you're going, what? You want to hear about the guy in our church? That's the way it was getting. They were puffed up, the Bible said. Instead of dealing with it. You see, people have problems. But you know what? If something is allowed to spread, it becomes leaven. And what it does is that then it corrupts. And then it, what it does is it corrupts the younger ones coming up as well. That they think that's the way it's meant to be. And so Paul dealt with it. We know what Paul's attitude was in these things. He said to flee these things. But this guy wasn't in the process of change. If you have areas in your life that need change, let me tell you, God loves you. And it is the word that will change you. By the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is what brings change into our lives. Not willpower. Willpower, willpower can do so much. But the fruit of the Spirit actually changes you on the inside. Now we have that in our spirit, but it starts oozing out. Amen? Now what Paul was saying here to deal with this, and I love what it says here, when you come together, where do you come together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? I was teaching on this here recently um, in a meeting I was doing, and I was just sure that you do everything in the name of Jesus in church. We have been given that name to use, even in, you know, in correction, even in church discipline. Do you know what you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus? In other words, that stops partiality. That stops um, throwing your weight about. That stops doing things because you dislike. You let one person do it, but another person not. You understand? It stops all of that. And when you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, really what, we're, what Paul is saying here, you're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, this is his church. This is not the way he wants his church run. You understand? We do it in his name. And all it says here, if you exercise church discipline, can you turn around straight away after and lift your hands and worship the Lord? Or do you need three weeks to calm down because of how angry you got? No, when you do anything, you do. They, this, they, they were to do this in the name of the Lord Jesus because it was the right thing to do. Now, that was dealing with the saved, okay? Why? Because we're saved. We are the body of Christ. And I tell you, we belong to him. And how many know he's a right to speak to us? Amen? Now, look at this here. 
Look at verse 9. It says, I wrote unto you in an, in, a, in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators. Okay? Look at this. Yet not all together with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or with the extortioners or the idolaters. For then must we needs go out of the world. In other words, we'd, we may as well leave. Because well, how are we going to stay away from everybody? But what did Jesus say? I'm not going to take them out of the world. Father, don't take them out of the world. I've left them here. Why? I've left them here that they're going to, I'm going to send them the same way as you sent me so that they can now be the influence. But keep them from the evil. Amen. Keep them from the evil one and sanctify them through thy truth. That's what it's saying here. If we couldn't reach out to anybody, we may as well all become a community of ourselves and hide behind walls. No, we're not meant to. We're meant to go out and reach people. Look at this. But now I have written unto you, verse 11, now I have written unto you not to keep company. It says, if any man that is called a brother, look at that, be a fornicator or covetous or an adulterer or railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, Look at that. With such a one, don't eat, don't eat with them. What is that saying? Again, it comes down to influence. Is it saying that we don't talk to people? Is it saying that everybody has to be perfect? Or I can't keep company with you? No, it's all down to influence. If people are not in that place of change, do you know what? There's some believers, they won't help you Serve Jesus. Unfortunately, that is true. So what do we do? We reach them. We minister to them in church. We, we communicate with people. We do our church life and all of those kind of things. But I'm telling you, there's, there are some people that we don't continually stay in their presence if they are constantly pulling us down. Some people have the crab and the bucket mentality. Do you know a crab in the bucket? Do you know you don't have to put a lid on a bucket of crabs? Do you know why? Because they pull you back down. If you even get close to the top, they'll pull you back down. And when it comes to influence, run with people who are running the race. Amen? Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. Amen? Amen? That doesn't mean to say if I'm out and about, I can't minister to people. If someone was a believer and they were you know, walking with God at one time, and I meet them, I'm going to talk to them, I'm going to communicate with them, I'm going to do my best. But if I was constantly meeting people, and they're just flaunting their life, and it's like as if they're living a, you know, I'm under grace now, and I just live in sin, you know, basically what they're saying, and you know, I was out last night, and I was hammered, I was falling into the house, no, but God still loves me. I'm not going to hang around that, you know what, it's 11. And yet God does love them, and yet true grace will set you free. Amen. True grace is God's unmerited favorites is supplied to your life. But there's a difference between dealing with the lost. Let me tell you, we can't run around with lost uh, this contamination mindset and oh, they're sleeping with that one, they're running with that one, they need Jesus. And they say bad talk and you know what, they curse and you want to hear what comes out of their mouth, they need Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Amen. They're involved in crime and they're on drugs, they need Jesus. We're not to isolate ourselves from people. That's our mission field. But if you want to be a believer that's effective, well then, don't let leaven into your life 
Allow the word to keep you sanctified. And that's what it's talking about here. It's talking about influence. That man was influencing the church. And Paul is saying when it comes to a brother, don't run with people that are influencing you in a negative way. But you need to also be able to reach that world out there. So you can't isolate yourself from everyone who's in sin. Because people that are in sin, they're sinners who Jesus died for who need the gospel. Amen. Let me look over in chapter 9 for a second. And again, it's down to influence. You know what, I meet, I meet believers and they once were walking with God and they're not anymore, but I want to be an influence to them. So I don't go past, it's not saying walk past people, I'm not talking to them, they're, they're living a certain life. No, we're the light of the world. And sometimes you have to be light again to believers. Sometimes you have to go to a believer and tell them, remind them, let them see your life, let it be a reminder to them of what they used to have. But it all comes down to influence. Look, there's certain people over the years that myself and Donna ran with. But we don't run anymore. It's not that we don't love the people and don't reach the people and talk to the people or whatever. But it, it's just, they're not, we're not going in the same direction anymore. Understand? If you want to run the race that God has for your life, you be careful who influences your life. If you're in company that doesn't make you more excited about Jesus and keep you stirred up in the things of God and you leave encouraged, well, then you think twice if that's the company you need to be in. Now, it's different when it comes to family and all. We're there reaching people and stuff. You have to go to events with family and different things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, as a believer, the people that you run with and sit constantly in their environment. You're either being the influence or you're being influenced. There's always influence in going around in every environment. If you're being influenced in a negative way, why would you sit in a place that's not helping you in your Christian walk? That's what it's talking about. It doesn't mean to say you don't love people. It doesn't mean to say you don't, you, you cut yourself completely off from people. But what it does mean is if you're going to do what God's called you to do, you choose who you run with. Amen. Amen. There's company I've said and I've come out and going, I have nothing in common anymore. Yeah. I have nothing in common. Because our lives is all about the move of God. And after a while, you know, I'm, I'm talking about as in believers here. That's what it's talking about with a brother. Now, if it's an unsaved person, I can sit there because I'm, I'm there to minister to someone. But when it's a believer who's trying to talk you out and running everybody down in church and, ah, you know what, that used to be great and all. You know what, it was great back in the 80s. It's great now. You know what? This one offended me and that one offended me. And you know what? They're, they're bitter and that one's this and that one's the other. And I'm not going to sit in that environment. I don't need that. And you don't need it either. If you're going to do what God has called you to do, strife and bitterness and gossip is a luxury you can't afford. Strife and bitterness and all of those kind of things, gossip... The Bible says it's like a delicacy. Do you know what a delicacy is? Like a, like a cake. 
It is nice. It's nice to hear gossip. It's as lovely to find, oh, did you hear about something? It's lovely. But here's the thing. You eat the whole cake and you're going to feel rotten after it. And that's what it talks about there. It, it'll, it, it goes like a washing machine in you then. And then you're going to bed thinking about people. And know one of the stupidest things is to take on somebody else's offense. Offended with someone you don't know. They did nothing to you, but such and such told me all about them. That's they give you, they have cake and they're sick. And now they're going to give you the cake as well so that the two of you can be sick. And it's a luxury because it is, there's something in the flesh that loves it. Or something in the flesh that loves the juicy details, that loves the gossip. That's why all those gossip magazines fly off the shelf. Because people love the gossip. That's why, you know what, newspapers fly off the shelf. Because people love the gossip. That's why social media, oh, I can't get enough of it. Oh, I can't get enough of it. Tell me more, tell me more. It's like Greece. Tell me more, tell me more. And they can't get enough of it. But here's the thing, here's the bottom line. Does it help you in your walk with God? When you take on those things, you know what happens? It distorts how you view people. Instead of viewing people with the love of God, you start seeing people completely different. It's lashing out there. Nobody wants to leave. Let's turn to (laughs) chapter 9. You'll only get wet. Look at this here. 1 Corinthians 9. Praise God. It says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. For woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. And if you look, at, if you look in um, Romans, Paul said, when it talks about necessity is laid upon him, Paul said in, in the book of Romans, the love of God constrains me. Do you know what constrains us is the love of God for people. Do you know what, you know what a necessity? Do you see, when you see people with the love of God, there's a, a necessity. I have to tell people about Jesus. Because you realize you took the red pill. You got saved. Your eyes are open. You read the word. You realize what really is going on. There's a necessity to tell people about Jesus. And Paul said, if I do it willingly, I have a reward for that. But you know what, if I just tell people, but you know, I don't really want to tell people, it's still the right thing to do. And it's still what we're meant to be doing, because that is our commission. And you know what, it was Paul's call. It's all of our calls. Paul had a call as an apostle to do these things. But you know what, for all of us, we're all to reach the lost. And then it says here, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jew, I became what? A Jew. That I might what? Gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, and then he makes this statement in brackets, being not without the law of God, but under the law to Christ. In other words, you know what this is basically saying? I'm sanctified. 
but I can still reach people who are lawless. People who, who are involved in all types of lifestyle. I can go right in there and minister to that person, but I'm still sanctified. Amen? See, we need to be able to reach people in every quarters. See, that's again, what does that? It's the word. It's being under the perfect law of liberty to where you are free in Jesus Christ. To where the word has set you free. To where you, you're living in the love of God. Amen. You can go to the most lawless people in life. But the love of God is constraining you to be the influence to minister to those people. It's awesome. That I might gain them that are without the law to the weak. I became as weak. That I might gain the weak. And many of you know all of us are weak. Yeah. We're all weak. You take Jesus out of our life. We are all weak. But praise God as a weak. We can say I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But without him we're weak. Amen. That's why you can run to him. The Lord is the strength of your life. So you can relate to people. You can relate to people that have problems in their life because you can tell them, do you know what? I couldn't get myself free and not there. Just like I shared about Melvin, I couldn't set myself free, but Jesus set me free. You can relate to people on all levels. It says here, and this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Let me just read verse 22 again. To the weak I became as weak that I might gain the weak. I made myself all things to all men that I might by all means save what? Some. For this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Paul said I became all things to all men. Did he partake of their sin? No. But he was able to relate. Know what I like to call this? An adoptable screwdriver. We have one sitting in a wee cup down in the kitchen and you can put in different heads into it. So if you want to need a Phillips head, a star head, you just take one out and stick it in and you can do it. You're able to turn the screw in different people. And I'm telling you, that's the way we need to be. We need to be free from all men. So we're free from all of the junk, all of the strife, all of the bigotry, all of the racism, all of the stuff that goes on that would cause us to have prejudice towards individuals. You need to be free from all men so that now you are free so that you can reach all men. So that if you can go to anybody, you can reach anybody. Amen? You can reach someone. It doesn't matter if they're from your culture or background. Do you know why? Because you're free to reach that person. It doesn't matter whether somebody's rich. You can reach them. You take off. You put on a different screw head and you go and you can talk to a rich person. You come to a poor person. You can take that off and you can put on a different one to talk to the poor person. In other words, you can be all things to all men. That's where you become skillful in reaching people for Jesus. But the only way you can do that is through the word. So that you're set apart. You can go to lawless people. You can go to people that are living in criminality. You can talk to people that are on drugs. Or you can talk to someone that's rich and empty. You can talk to someone that has everything and has nothing. You're free. The red pill. As we often say, the gospel. Amen. The word. Salvation first for us. The word. It sets us apart from everybody because we're not part of the system but not so that then we turn our back on them and go and live isolated lives so that I'm free to reach. Amen? Amen. I'm free to reach. 
And you can switch and change. The gospel stays the same, but the techniques are different in how we apply. And that's why you're led by the Spirit whenever you reach people. Amen? Amen. Paul went on to talk there about, I keep my body under. What does that? The Word. And you can see all through the epistles, you can see you need the Word and you need a heart for the lost. Amen? And that's the key. For too long, many times in some circles in Christianity, it's been about your stuff. Thank God for all the things God blesses us with. But stuff never needs to become the shiny thing that distracts us from our mission. Our mission is reach the lost and teach the saved. Amen.